Hello, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, guys. Welcome back to our podcast. Episode two. Mm -hmm. Woop, woop. Um, (laughs) Oh, here with DJ and Tom. Hey, y'all. How's y'all's week been? Huh. <laughs> it's been crazy. It's been crazy. It's, yeah, I'm really happy it's over. Yeah, yeah. it's been a really mm-hmm. stressful week. So, glad to be with y'all. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. So, today's episode is all about the pressures of being a black woman in corporate America. We're just going to talk a little bit about the pressure we felt individually and um, what we think pressures, I guess, as a group are for women um, of color in this corporate world. Yes. Um, So, I don't know. Does anyone want to get started with an example or ways they think? Well, what's on my mind this week, actually, is like black on black crime in the workplace. (laughs) Not to derail the conversation, but like something really crazy um, happened to me this week. So I think it'll be like good to discuss and get your guys' perspectives on it. So to make a long story short, there's another black executive on my team. Of course, not going to mention any names or any title or anything like that. Um, But basically, he, um, from the beginning when he joined the team, and of course, it's only two um, people of color on the team, me being a woman, the only black woman on the team, woman on the team, and then him executive being the only, woman. <laughs> that's, that's right. and him being the only black man <laughs> on the team. And sometimes I've experienced in my career is that, especially when you're in a white dominated um, organization, sometimes black people feel as though they have to compete against each other or put each other down in order to gain acceptance with Mm -hmm. their other white counterparts, Mm -hmm. Um, which has been super crazy for me because I've always taken a different stance in terms of always being there to support someone of color and helping them, you know, perform well within their career. Um, So this particular situation, we were in... A meeting together discussing, it was a strategic meeting discussing overall strategy. And I oversee one area of the business, and we were talking about that area that I oversee. So he was asking a lot of different questions. Some really didn't have any validity in, in regards to what we were discussing. So he's um, kind of like purposely going back and forth with me and kind of going against things that I'm saying would drive the business. So I'm answering him, and then also my one of my other counterparts, um, a white counterpart, actually stepped in and was answering the questions as well. So I find out after the meeting, um, this black counterpart of mine goes to the white guy who was sticking up for me and answering questions, and he gets mad at him because that's his direct report, and he said, you shouldn't have stepped in and answered those questions because I wanted her to take all the bullets. Wow. So. (laughs) Tom's face. Yeah. So I was like totally baffled. And at first in my mind, like as I've noticed his behavior, I'm like, okay, I feel like he has something against me for some reason, but I kind of brush it off. But like today that definitely solidified that the way I felt was true. And he definitely, for some reason, has it out for me. I have a question. Do you, <laughs> so is that crazy? Do you think that happens because you're 
he is a black male and you're a black female in the same position as he is so he then feels threatened or intimidated by you or do you think that that happens when it's two black males in the same position Mm. I don't know because I feel like it would be more and sorry I need to get closer to the mic (laughs) but I think that it would be more kind of like a macho like chest to chest type of situation but I feel like sometimes when it's in this particular situation a black man a black woman you feel as though you have to strip me of my power in order for you to maintain yours so I don't necessarily think that it would play out the same way mm-hmm. as it is playing out now. So it's just like a very, very weird dynamic um, that I've kind of watched play out. And obviously I plan to address it directly um, when I'm back in the office on Tuesday. But it's just weird that he feels the need to do that and then to publicly, or not necessarily publicly, but outwardly state that you want me to take the bullets. Why? When we're a collective team working for the The good of the company. I don't have any malicious intent or any personal objectives outside of advancing your career, but in terms of like the overall business, we're all in a a strategy meeting discussing ways in which we can grow the business. So I don't understand why you will want me to take all the bullets per se when it's an open discussion meeting. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand why people have or feel the need to tear down other people in order to make themselves look better. Because I just don't feel like it makes you look better. Right. You know, it makes makes you you look... look, Yeah. (laughs) One, you look dumb. And two, you just look crazy because it's like, what what is wrong with you? There's no, especially when you're on the same team. Why are you trying to pull down the next person? That's right. not mm-hmm. you tearing someone else down. Did not just put a million dollars in your pocket. Right. It did not just make you smarter. It did mm-hmm. not. I'm sure it did not make you happy. And it's not adding any value to your life or this company, so why are you trying to tear down other people around you? I just don't understand that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get it. I have so much to say. Go ahead, no, go Tom. Ahead. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> DJ, I'm in awe. I really, I really am. There's a couple of things that I just want to briefly unpack. First, I think successful black people are so used to being the exception mm-hmm. that they don't really know how to interact with another exception mm-hmm. and I think this is the case oh, I think <laughs> I try I try on the gospel <laughs> I think this is an example of that I mm-hmm. think he is not threatened because you're a woman he's threatened because you're another black person mm-hmm. and there can only be one token there can only be one token mm-hmm. and when you're that one token <laughs> yep. unfortunately any of your successes are almost celebrated mm-hmm. because you are the exception mm-hmm. so even if it's someone who's mediocre and black if they're the only black person and they're in that environment corporate executive any success is going to be treated as like oh he is so sharp but in that particular instance your success has to be 100% better than someone else's like yeah. right. it's like What's deemed a success for your white counterparts would not be the same for you no. because you're held Absolutely. at a higher standard. Absolutely. Yeah. But now there's someone else infringing right. on that. Right, right. And now it's versus me working 200%, I'm working 300% because mm-hmm. there's another black person in the office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Furthermore, I think in society, on the totem pole, unfortunately, black women are at the bottom. So you have mm-hmm. white males, white women, um, black males, and then black women. And I think that, unfortunately, despite skin color, men are very threatened by women. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, very threatened. I yes. mean, when I turn up at the bank as a tailor, like, <laughs> the moment I turn up. Hold up. You still going inside the bank? <laughs> Mind you, my mom is that person that drives past four Wells Fargo to get to the one that she's used to. So I've kind of adopted that. But anywho, it's kind of when you make that turn and then you turn up and suddenly it's like, oh, oh, relax. Like you're just, no, you disrespecting me because you saw a black woman in front of you. So you thought I was going to be soft or timid. And now I'm turning up and I'm like on a 10. Sorry, not to to change the subject, but you have to talk about... The way people talk to you at work. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> y'all. Sorry, hold on. Did you finish? Okay. No, I did. I did. That was it. But I please, Sorry, please. Oh, take the floor. Okay. Because <clears throat> we are all direct witnesses. Of I think. I think this has been a really stressful week for all of us, and <laughs> we might as well just. Un- I love that term. Unpack. We might as well unpack and talk about, you know, things we experienced this week as Why not? black women in corporate America. Absolutely. Um. So I. <laughs> I have a coworker um, who feels the need <laughs> to change his voice and his way of speaking every time he's around me and one of my other coworkers. I'm getting the wine open. Um so this week we I was in the car with a with this particular coworker and um, another coworker of ours. And who is a black female. So me and her are talking. We're discussing. You know, we're using our our voices, our code switch voices, you know, having Mm -hmm. a real educated conversation. And in the back, this said co-worker begins to be like, oh, yeah, homie. Oh, yeah, shawty. Snap, snap, snap. And I'm like, okay. And this is something he's done times before mm-hmm. and I've always had to like be like hey like stop so this time enough was enough <laughs> so I turned around and I said why do you do that and he oh, said hey you, you said it in that voice okay <laughs> <laughs> said do what I said why do you feel the need to change your voice every time you're talking to me and my other coworker, or me and my the other black female coworker that works in our department why do you mm-hmm. feel the need to do that anytime you're interacting with us mm-hmm. what do you I, say I don't know okay um do I sound like that to you was my next question mm-hmm. is, is that what I sound like to you no so okay, um, have you ever heard me use what you think is ebonics? He looked at me. I looked at my black coworker. I said, "Coworker, um, when was the last time you used ebonics?" And she said, uh, "Probably in high school. My mom cut that down real quick because we were not going to be, you know, speaking in proper English." And I said, "Okay, um, have I ever?" spoken to you that way or have we ever had conversations like that and she said no I said okay so I really don't understand why 
coworker in the back, the white male coworker, feels the need to speak what he thinks, what he thinks, because it sure is not, what he mm-hmm. thinks is Ebonics. Mm-hmm. And then he just, uh, 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 and I said, uh, mm, uh, okay. <laughs> and that was that. Because I feel so like. So the next day. So the next day, I mean, we haven't really had, since I, <laughs> Tom and this wine opener. Right. <laughs> since I um, spoke to him about this, we I haven't had any issues, and I'm sure I will, because right. it's the privilege of wanting to feel the need like you fit in in every situation. And we, I can't, I I feel like to him, I don't have the right to have a conversation with my coworker <clears throat> without him being able to relate or being able to join the conversation. Right. So right. he chooses to do things like that to get our attention and to try and quote unquote jump into the conversation. Yeah. And that's like, I've experienced that too, even with like one senior director where we're talking like, oh yeah, homegirl and this and that. And it's like, um, <laughs> what? Oh, so I just got to step back and it's, it's, it's actually really funny that, and I think that that's kind of like influenced by the different images that they see, whether it's via like social media, TV, um, or movies that gives a, a false perception in terms of like the black culture. Absolutely. And... It's sad that that has kind of permeated into like the corporate, you know, world. Absolutely. So that's like super. And creepy. that's definitely not something I thought or expected would be the norm in corporate America, but it kind of is. Like, I even, one of my other partners on a different team, she does the same thing. She'll come over and talk to me. She's a white female, will come over and talk to me and be like, if she, if we're talking about a situation and you know someone needs to be addressed in the situation, oh dad girl, you better tell him girl. And I'm just like, okay, when like I don't understand, like <laughs> I don't understand, I don't get it. I'll just give him a blank face the next time. Like what? Yeah. So to all of our Caucasian listeners, please, 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 do not. Like, you should not feel the need to change your voices when speaking to a person of color in the office. It just makes things awkward. I don't change, like, like I, I speak to you normally. The same way. So. Yeah. I know I do. You shouldn't, you shouldn't feel the need to speak to me in what you consider Ebonics every time you want to <laughs> relate to me. Because <laughs> it's not Ebonics. And it sounds funny. Absolutely. And then furthermore, because I feel like the automatic excuse would be, like, Oh, and that's that's if you're even talking to someone who's Caucasian with some kind of level of consciousness. Oh, I just feel like I'm trying to relate. However, that's problematic because you're automatically clumping a whole, a, a whole. huge. I can't even describe how many different types so of so many there beautiful are. colors oh, and shades and oh, it's just so beautiful and so diverse. Oh my you're goodness, you're clumping that into something that you saw. On the last screen movie from the mm-hmm, 90s, exactly. or what you think the idea of a black person is, and that's a problem. Yeah, and I think across the board, it's like you relate to someone by being yourself. Exactly. Like you'll never relate Absolutely. to someone by exactly. depicting an image or a persona that's not genuinely who you are. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you are white and you grew up in a certain area and you're used to that way of speaking, like 
it's different. Yeah, like do you. it's totally that's you. That is you. That and is you the culture you were raised in. That is the area you grew, grew up in. Like I'm cool with you whether you speak like me or not. Like that should not be a way of relating to each other is oh, oh my gosh, you speak the way I speak. Like we all come from different places and areas and right. everyone is different. So there is no need. Again, I repeat. <laughs> No need. I said I repeat. (laughs) (laughs) No need. Okay. For you to switch it up on me. Mm Because it's not like it's not flattering. Mm -hmm. I don't relate. I just get irritated. Yeah, and to our listeners, like we'll be curious to kind of hear your thoughts and the experiences you had. So definitely drop some comments. Um and we'll entertain and um answer some of those in our next podcast. Absolutely. Cool. Does anyone have anything else to get off their chest? Because I feel like we ooh, might as well call this "Get It Off Your see? Chest." Ooh, ooh, ooh! Let me see. Let me see. Oh, briefly. Actually, I think this might be another podcast, so I'm just gonna drop the dime now, and then we'll probably revisit it. Being paid your worth. Mm. Long, long, long story short, I attended a training this week. Um, for some data programs, data doing languages. the most. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot tell. DJ, you're great. Um, but yes, I I took that upon myself. I sought out that training to do my job to the best of the ability. Mind you, I didn't know this would be such a big part of my job, but it is. And I'm getting into the whole world of big data and all that compromises it. There was. At one point during the class where I asked a question and his response, because I blacked out after he started responding to me, he started off, well, well, when you look at the metadata, and I swear, y'all, I thought I was going to have a panic. <laughs> I just felt at that point, like, what am I doing here? Yeah. I've never felt so unqualified to be surrounded by people who are talking about Teradata and Python and R, and I'm just like... I'm just here, so can y'all have a login? I see bare bones, scrappy, and it really, it really was a point to my, because I've been toying with this idea, like I have to ask for a raise, but I really think that validated it. Because at that moment, I'm not, you know, that role. So basically, just to kind of give the background, so basically you're in a role um that you were hired into but now that role has turned or morphed into something that's totally different than what was i guess discussed. publicized or mm-hmm. discussed through the the initial job description so yes. now yes. you're required to take these advanced trainings in order for you to basically do your job effectively when your job description has changed without like a formal conversation. Yes. Um, or also with that added skill set comes also a different job title, which warrants a different salary. Yes. Yeah. And we all know that we have to be careful in the way we discuss things like that. So we don't come off as angry black women. Mm -hmm. So, or too ambitious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which that is like, how can you ever be too ambitious? I don't understand that. You're black. <laughs> In short, these are facts. <laughs> these are facts. Mm-hmm. So I know uh, I did want us to discuss, and I think this is, I'll, I'll let Tom introduce it because she really was pushing for this discussion. <gasps> was oh, she really? I was. <laughs> only because I love this topic. 
I love this topic. So, in short, do you marry or... Yes, I guess in this case, marry or yeah, even fall into a serious relationship. I say marry. Let's talk about marry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jeez, you so you're just going straight to the... <laughs> yes, do you marry for love or for comfort? And the reason why I say comfort, because normally that statement would end for money... Comfort can be whatever you want it to be, mm-hmm. right? So if it's not money, it's because um, you want children and you you know that you want to have a partner in that. It could be anything that you feel like, you know, it's comfortable. And I love this because I am all about comfort all the way. Really? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. You're Absolutely. 100% comfort. 100%. Well... It starts with love, which is where it gets gray. Okay. It's, it always starts with so love. So then it can't be so that you're not 100% comfort. So let's say I'm, I'm 60, 40, 60 towards the comfort. Okay. And my husband will say the same thing. Yeah. Because I think we liked each other. and But it was like at that point where it's just like we see pros and cons in each other. We're accepting the pros for what they are. And it was like an advanced business transaction. And I know that sounds really weird because I'm not 60 or white. But I feel like <laughs> we will discuss it as, like, when we started dating, we discussed it as a, a business transaction. Okay. And not in a greedy way. More so, he saw values in me that he found valuable. I saw values in him that he found valuable. And that's interesting because I was, uh, I was listening to this other podcast in terms of, like, dating, like, a... Um, economist mm-hmm. and that was kind of like a similar kind of theory in terms of looking at it like a business transaction mm-hmm. when you're dating yeah. and you're marrying someone um, for me I'm kind of like torn because yeah I feel like comfort is important in terms of being with someone that will help you or you help each other advance you know towards your goals and what your calling is in your life but at the same time, I always look at love and and marriage. It's like, who is the person that you really will be with for the rest of your life until you mm-hmm. get old? And if something happens to each other, that that core love is there where you support each other. So that's why I feel like I kind of, kind of am more towards or kind of sway more towards love being a bigger component. Mm-hmm. Because of that fact. And I feel like if you just do it for comfort, will it even last? Because I feel like at some point you, you know, get on each other's nerves and can't stand each other and you get old. You never know what can happen. Because some people might say comfort is I want to have a kid or comfort is this woman, you know, is a beautiful person in terms of outwardly, you know, beautiful Mm -hmm. and just kind of like a trophy. But is this someone that's going to stick by your side? Like, all a physical, you know, will eventually change or you never know what can happen. You can go outside and, you know, unfortunately get hit by a bus and be paralyzed. So yeah. mm-hmm. is that person still going to stand by you if they were with you initially for, like, artificial things? I'm with you. So I don't know. I actually thought about this. Mm-hmm. And I actually agree with Tom. I think there is a formula here. So I think there's it's a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it's more so for me love than comfort though. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think love is 60% and I think that comfort is 40%. Because to me and from what I've seen kind of you know growing up around me and things like that, I feel as though I've seen a lot of people who are super in love but 
didn't take time to sit and think of the comfort part of their relationship. And it just pushed them to the point where they were like, okay, like, I don't even love you anymore because you drive me crazy for whatever, for whatever reason. But I also think that it's also what stage you are in your life, you know, because I've been in a long-term, you know, relationship Uh and I was younger. So you look at it differently, but I feel like when you get older, you fall in love with someone a percentage of that love is developed also through the things that you're looking for. Yeah. So it's hard to fall in love with someone that Without doesn't have those, those certain qualities. Like for me, it yeah. would be like ambition. Yeah. So like I could not fall in love with someone that's not ambitious. It's yeah. just not going to happen. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes one feeds into the other. So mm-hmm. it's like you can't fall in love with someone. And again, and again, it goes back to what stage you are in your life. Cause I feel like when you're younger, especially like, you know, teens, early twenties, Oftentimes, people in that age bracket, they don't think about those things in terms of what does it take to have a household with someone and build and, you know, be financially stable. You're not thinking about that. So you're kind of just thinking about, like, your feelings. So you really sway just towards, like, how does this person make me feel without thinking about all those other components? But when you're older and you understand, like, what it takes to be successful in the world and what it takes to manage a household um, and really push towards what you're trying to achieve, then you more so understand what your partner has to bring to the table. Yeah, and I completely agree Which then kind of, like, that. falls into, like, how you fall in love with someone. Yeah, and I do agree that, because I am in the early 20s stage, and I do feel like people mm-hmm. my age are just like, oh, but I love him, and I'm just like, okay, well... Yeah, you loved him when we were in college, but you need to see life outside of college. I think the real test of a relationship, especially for young people, and I guess I'm speaking to our young listeners who have Mm -hmm. recently graduated or whatever the case may be, you need to give yourself time to see how this person is in real life situations because mm-hmm. in college, college is a fake world. Okay, yeah, you're not living on your own. You think I mean, you're, some people you're are paying bills, living, but you're fake living on your own. You're spending that net check. Oh, girl, spend it right and get it right back. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's a fake world. It's not real. And once you graduate and enter the real world, like shit really hits you like in the face like it's like oh so this is real life like I was not ready for this so Mm -hmm. you know giving it a couple years after or you know it doesn't have it could be a year whatever it is that just gives you time to really see if you and that person are truly compatible not only on a physical and oh I love you level or if you can really spend the rest of your life with this person and I think one test is like when you go through something that is of a kind of like traumatic, not like super traumatic in terms of death or something like yeah. all the way to the left, but just something that kind of shakes things up, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit in the relationship or something happens that is kind of outside what you plan for and watching how that person adapts to a situation and yeah. is able to pull themselves back up. Cause I think that especially when you're in a relationship, there's so many ups and downs that so you want, or this is me talking. I want. <laughs> I mean, you want someone that has uh, resiliency, you know. Yes. And I feel like, to your point, like when you're in college, 
you're so kind of shielded from real life and you live in this kind of fictitious world. And there's people that also work extremely hard through college. But I'm talking about kind of like your kind of like your typical poster, you know, college yeah. student. It's like you don't you're kind of shielded away from the real world and all the demands. So really watching someone step outside of that bubble and you have to like pay your own rent, you know, get your own job, you know, be responsible for your finances. Yeah. And kind of watch them through that process and see how they, you know, handle it. Yeah, absolutely. Because you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you end up hating the person that you once loved. And funny enough, my boyfriend (laughs) always says that the only other feeling you can have other than love, like you can either really, really love someone or you really, really hate that person. So like, or you could be in the middle. No, I. He always says that if not in a relationship. He always says well, that if you once love someone, the only other feeling you can have for them, other than that love, is hate. I don't think so. That's a good one. I don't think so. I don't think you can feel indifferent. No, not in the relationship. I think after the relationship and you heal and you move away and you. No, but you're that. saying like is he saying, saying after the relationship, the relationship or in the relationship? Right? No, in the relationship. Yeah, yeah. Like when you're like the because of how strong the emotions of love are like it's either it's like love or it's like but I think it's different because I feel like there's kind of levels to love in terms of like being in love with someone and just loving that person so I've been in you know a relationship where I was deeply in love with this person Mm -hmm. and through things that happened and growing apart it's like I didn't turn to hate but it's just like I love this person, but I'm not in love with you. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference. That's so true. I step away that from is, the situation. There is that dynamic. So can we add that <laughs> two pieces? <laughs> right. Yes. Because that because there is that, that dimension. That is that's a phenomenon to me. That's something I greatly fear actually. Because mm-hmm. I get bored really easily, mm-hmm. and I've never felt that way though. Mm-hmm. But I think that's more frightening than the hate. Yeah. Because that's legitimately like you could always say to yourself in that situation where there's nothing wrong. Right. Like, I could right. stay here and do yeah. this forever, but you really don't want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a doozy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it happens. And I, I feel like, like, even if, like, my past relationships, like, I don't hate any of them. Yeah. You know? It's just like, what's the point? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might have that time, but I guess, like, I'm just, like, <laughs> in the moving moment, on. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. like, moving on, yeah. but, you know, it is kind of, like, a sometimes a weird dynamic to yeah. just fall out of love, you know, With but someone. sometimes it happens, and, and I do think that you just happens. grow apart. That, I think I would be shattered. If someone fell out of love with you, yeah. or if you fell out of love with someone else? Mm. If someone fell out of love with me. You'd be shattered. I think so. Yeah. Oh, like, so if you fall out of love, you're like, oh, whatever. Right. I'm living my life. I'm doing my thing. I'm living my best life. Ain't <laughs> hey, go back to fall. <laughs> That's my song. That, song. that needs to be the intro. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're going to yeah. have to play that after this. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Which is so selfish. But I think if someone fell out of love with me and I was still in love with them, I would just be like, why? Yeah. Like things change, but we both change. So, yeah. like, why? Because I could, I know in my heart, truly, there's nothing I could do to change that feeling. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a disappointing part. And I've seen that happen, and it's very sad. 
Yeah. It's really I mean, sad. But it's life. I mean, but look at every look at a lot of people that fifty percent of marriages, you know, end in divorce. Yeah. So I would expect that a percentage of that still love each other. Like yeah, everybody yeah. can't like divorce and hate. But I think as you get older, it's like okay, you might grow apart and you still love this person because you got, you know, together younger or whatever. Yeah. You spent so many um, core years of your life together that it's hard or impossible to like hate this person or mm-hmm. completely like de- delete them from your life. So there's still a level of love. Also, if you have kids, hopefully, yeah, you try to have you know be cordial for yeah. the kids. I think there's actually um, uh, Marlon Wayans. He was on the Breakfast Club a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about the fact that him and his ex-wife are like best friends. Right, like, yeah. They are legitimately BFFs. And I I just think that I would hope that if worse came to worse and I was in a situation like that, I could be best. Even though I might not be the in nerd. love. And I think... <laughs> so I'm like, uh-uh, no. I think I agree uh-uh. with DJ in that sense. Yeah. She's listening. She's I'm like, it's over. <laughs> like, I burnt all your clothes. Well, they have kids together. No so, so you're kind of tied to that person forever. Oh, oh my gosh, no, no, no. What this one never mind. I Oh, I don't know, oh. I okay, so that's right. You have kids together. You're not gonna be BFF. Like I would much rather if we have kids together, yeah. I would much rather us be BFFs. Like Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then that's why you have issues and like we're fighting and stuff messy. like that. Yeah, and that's horrible for the child. Actually, Absolutely. my old boss, the cuckoo bird um was i did respect her because she was best friends with her ex and i mean like almost to a weird point though because they would like talk to each other about like who they were dating and like after a date he he would call her and be like okay so she said this to me like what do you think like mm-hmm. should i say this back do i text her back so do i call her how long do you think it took for them to get there though mm. i don't know probably not I, long no probably because long. i feel like with her it's just like a okay, you crazy. Let's just be friends. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think yeah. So I I don't know. So I think what is the what is what is our lesson here? What is the general consensus? Do you still feel strongly about your opinion on um, how how much percentage is love and how yes. much is comfort? Only because. Still 60-40, but I totally get it. Yeah. Um, only because I think so much of love and successful relationships is self-happiness. If you're this not happy, right. it's you just be not, happy with someone else. You cannot be happy with someone else. Yeah. It's never going to work. And yeah. there's so many factors in that. Like, my friends who are hippies, they're just like, oh, free love. I'm like, no, girl. I like my bills paid. <laughs> yeah. If I'm like, I have a certain lifestyle that I want to stick to, oh my God. no free love. It's paid on this side. Yeah. But that that's because that's something that makes me happy. I like feeling comfortable. Right. Yes. And you then like, you know. You want to be outside. Oh, the bitch. sleeping. <laughs> With my man holding our sign. No, ma'am. But we in love, though. No, ma'am. So, I, I'm still 60-40, but I told, there's, obviously, there's so many layers into it. Yeah. You know, we went that yeah. direction. Yeah. But yeah. Absolutely. I think it's a good conversation to have. Yeah. Yeah. Let yeah. us know your guys' thoughts as well. Let us know. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're working on getting our Instagram page up, so we'll let you guys know probably by next episode what our Instagram is. We'll have a Twitter, so that way we can have just some Twitter. more Twitter. 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 Well, DJ will not be handling our Twitter feed. Uh, okay. 
So um, we'll let you all know. That way we can just get some interaction with you. So we'll see you guys next time. Yes. See you next time. Okay. Baby, 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 baby,